being with us for the few moments that they were. Uh, but as uh, we begin this morning, just looking at uh, so now what, uh, you had an opportunity to realize that the now what is always the same, is that God has placed us in this community to, to be a witness for him, to, to show people that Jesus is alive and that he can make a difference in, in everyone's life that come to faith in him. And as we think about the, the whole ministry of a church, it's to, to give life, uh, the life that will last forever. But we need to realize that, at least on a physical level, that life begins and it, it also ends. One of the praises is new life, and, and uh, Mike and Amy has a, a new life in their home, a little Mikey. Uh, but this past week, we've had a number of our people go through the experiences of, of losing loved ones. And whether it was uh, Jeannie's family and the, the loss of, of the father of her, of her children, or whether it be Irene Watson, who passed away this week, and the service for her is this coming um, Friday at at 11 o'clock here, or whether it be Geneva Allen. And Geneva Allen was really close to us in so many different ways. And it seems, I don't know, it was a few months ago, uh, she went with her family uh, to Arkansas, and her health just took a a downturn. But even in the midst of of death, and we think more about life at death than any other time, is that we are the ones who can uniquely come together as God's people to celebrate life. Because Jesus came not only to give life that will last forever, but life that is full and meaningful. So this morning, as we think about uh, what God has for us, uh, we just want to look to him first in prayer, and let's begin one more time before we look in his word. Father, we do thank you for this day in which we gather together, and we pray uh, in the midst of uh, just sharing opportunities that you might uh, give us uh, just a realization that all of us can play a part in what you want to do next. And help us see that uh, this morning. Help us not to be looking at this as spectators, but as participants. And wherever we are in our spiritual journey, you have something for us to believe, uh, even to feel, but actually to do. And we pray that you might just sear that in our hearts this morning. Uh, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, they, they've said that in terms of communication, that uh, as we often sometimes wait a certain part of communication, uh, they realize that sometimes that which we think is most important is not always that which is most important. Uh, They say about when you communicate a message that only 7% of it is actually verbal. The 93% that is left is nonverbal. And how that breaks down by those who study this is that uh, body language is about 55% of what you say to someone as you're trying to communicate a a message. And that 38% of it is simply tone of voice. And it was interesting as I was just thinking about that right before I came up. Uh, I've entitled the message, So Now What?, now, as you take that, those three words, that phrase, so now what, uh, it can mean a, a variety of different things when you make that statement. But really, body language and even just tone of voice could make a, a, just a complete spin in terms of what it means. If I were to come up to you and say, so now what? You, you, I, I'm communicating a message. I'm looking forward to what comes next. Now, if I say, so now what? I'm not looking forward to what comes next. And maybe this past year, that's been your experience. It's not, so now what? It's, a, so now what? And as I was thinking about that, and I, and I usually wake up in the morning as a person who says, so now what? All you have to do is talk to my wife because that's how, I'm a morning person. She's not a, not a morning person. And I'm just trying to get her all excited about the, the day. And she said, can I just get a few more minutes of sleep, you know? But that's how I usually begin a day. But, but as we think about life, life isn't always that way, is it? I was just thinking about some things that really 
are not that important. But sometimes they, sometimes they can add up and you begin to ask yourself, so, so now what? Uh, in August of this, uh, this past year, uh, we woke up uh, to a tree. It was really a tree branch, but it was the size of a tree that hit our roof. And what should have been maybe a week of um, cleaning up the mess ended up being a four months of endurance in terms of getting everything put together. And then even after that happened, I, I took another month trying to clean up what wasn't cleaned up. And I was thinking, all right, that's, that's finally over. But, but then now what? Because a little bit earlier what happened in my life is I went to a conference, a Christian conference, and, and uh, I, after I got out of one of the meetings, I came back to my car, and my car had been bashed in by a, by a person who had hit and run. And then as I began to add up the bills, I began to realize that, that I had paid more for fixing my car than I did for a, the actual conference itself, all right? And, and as you think those things happen, and you just kind of, well, you know, so now what? And, and things can just go like that. And so uh, this, uh, this last Friday, I had uh, done a workout. Actually, I had I'd gone, I'd gone surfing for the first time since I had eye surgery, and this was one of those so now what experiences. I had eye surgery about... Uh, Two months ago, or maybe now three months ago, and and I was so excited about how the improvement would be on my vision. And and after it was all over, I, I discovered that my my eyes were worse than it was before I got the surgery. And I was thinking, why did I spend that money to make my eyes worse? But now the good news about that now my eyes are better. But it took a while for it to dial in. But anyway, going back to what I was saying before, I. I had gone surfing for the very first time, and for those who, who might be impressed that I surf, let me just say this, I, I surf about as well as I golf, okay, so I'm not that good of a surfer. So anyway, I'd gone out, and I'd come back, and I was pretty excited that I actually got in the water and did a few things, and I came back, and I, I went to my deck that had to be repaired because of that other thing I was telling you about. Anyway, so I, I, I got down to the bottom of my deck, and I, and I noticed there was, there was water all on the ground, and I'm thinking, you know, it didn't rain last night, and... You know, we're not watering any plants here. And, and so I, I crawl underneath my deck, and I'm, I'm looking, where, what is happening here? And I, I, I crawl up to the, my, my, the, the stucco part of my house, and I, there's this air vent or whatever, and I put my ear to it, and I hear the sound, and it wasn't gas, it was water, okay? So I, I, my, my copper tubing had, had burst, and, and so water was, was pouring out. And, and when that happened, I, I didn't respond with, so now what? It was, so now what, right? And, and, and we've had some of those experiences this past year as a church. But no matter what experiences you have, what, what God wants us to respond to challenges is, is not just a, a quiet despair, but say, look, God has so many opportunities for us to trust him and, and to see what he wants for us to do next. Every, every moment we live is another opportunity to trust him and believe that he, that he has a plan. And part of that plan is the, is the things that we, we, we would describe, at least in a nominal way, kind of unpleasant but even those shape us and make us into the kind of people he wants us to be. And so this morning what I want to do, and we could spend most of our time talking about the good things that have happened this past year, and there's a lot of great things that happened. I mean, uh, just celebrating five decades of a church faithfully ministering in the community. And even as we looked at, you know, this is our city, and you can say our community, because quite frankly, if you're like me, I can't tell when I drive from one city to the next. It seems like they're all together. But I remember, you know, having the mayor here and then some of the, the officials in our community. And, and I still see them uh, on a monthly basis. In fact, some on a weekly basis. And, and they praise God that we're here. 
and the things that we're doing to make an impact in people's lives. And we're, we're a source of hope to others. And, and so they see us, and they're glad that we're here. As we heard from uh, Glenn this morning, uh, we're not looking to take a step back in ministry. We're looking to take many steps forward, and we're opening up a new mission that we've never been involved in before, going to Honduras. Now, I know he, he invited all of you to go, but we, we know not all of you can go, but all of you can pray. You know, all of you will be able to give regularly through our regular giving, but even special ways. Uh, all of you can say, hey, hey can, how can we impact some villages that really don't hear the message of Christ? And, and if you're like me, I don't know Spanish, but I can learn maybe a verse in Spanish. And, and we can say we can be the hands and feet of Jesus, not only locally but globally. In this past year, we had the opportunity to send people into Mexico and to send people into some of our, our national ministries to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We've had opportunities, even as we saw in the beginning of the service, where you had uh, children surrounding this, this whole uh, campus, not only in our ministry here but in our Hispanic ministry, and, and reaching young lives for Christ. And as we, as we think about the, the things that, that we can look forward to is until Jesus comes again, we're going to be people that are seeking not so much to be blessed but to be a blessing to others. To not, not to be so focused on receiving but giving. Why? Because God has already given us so, so much. And, and so that's, that's God's plan for us. And, and he wants all of us to take into the experience that we, we can be a participant in that. Not a spectator but a participant. And so this, this morning, what I want to do is, is I want to, you know, preach a message on, so now what, in terms of what God has for us. And so if you have your outline this morning, and, and I'm already speaking fast, but, but we have a full service, I, 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 do, I do want to do a couple things this morning. I want you to remember something to begin with. And then I want you to understand, okay, because of what we can remember, what then does God want us to do? What is the now what for us? And let me just give my message now in case you kind of want to relax and not listen to the rest of it. This is my point this morning, is that God wants us to be a people collectively and individually that are just committed to honor him. Honor him in, in such a way that we live like we know him. And the challenge is that he wants us to honor him in every way, in every place, in every moment. How's that for a challenge? God wants all of us to live in such a way that he wants us to honor him, which simply means to, to show, show people that we know Jesus. You know, people who were here when, when Jesus was walking on ground, okay, and we believe that Jesus is now here even in a, even a more pronounced way than then because he lives within us. But when Jesus was walking on ground, it, it was said of those who knew him, uh, that they, they didn't have a whole lot to offer on a human level. They said they were untrained, uneducated, and unexperienced. But they said there was something unique about them. They had been with who? Jesus. And because of that, they honored him because it, it showed that they had been with Jesus. So we, we can do the same. We can honor him by showing to people that we have been with Jesus. And then the all-encompassing challenge of that is we want to do that in every way, in every place, in every moment. But for us to, to really believe that can happen and not just be something like a preacher would say, uh, the, the Word of God says that there, there's something fundamental you need to remember first. 
Remember this. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Uh, we're not going to be putting this on the screen, but I'll, I'll read the text. And it's, it's just going to look at some things very simply this morning that will speak about how this can be done and in what ways this can be done. Paul writes to a church in, in Colossae, and it was actually a rather small church. It wasn't a large church, but he, but he had some challenges to them. And, and he begins this section in Colossians 3, beginning in verse 12, this way. So... Kind of like, so now what? So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, and then there's a comma, and right after that comma is going to say, okay, now do this. But he, he begins with saying, okay, before you learn what to do, learn who you are. In fact, what I've put in your outline this morning is, is we remember there's, there's a fundamental things we need to know first. Know whose you are. And who you are. You, you can't give that what you don't have, right? Uh, you know, I, I can't teach you to, how, how to speak Spanish because I don't know that language. I'm trying to pick up a few words here and there, but there are others that, that, that can and will. But, but, but I can tell you about Jesus, not because I went to seminary or Bible school, but because I know Jesus. And if, if you know Jesus, then that's, that's the fundamental starting point. And it's, it's knowing whose you are. I, I, I'm part of God's family. I'm connected to him. I'm related to him. Not only do I know him, but it's even better, he knows me. In fact, the Bible says, and, and we can get caught up in the whole challenge of how do you understand the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. That's not the point when, when God uses statements that are hard to understand. He wants us to understand certain truths because of, of what it will really say to our heart and mind if we understand the simple truth of what he says. He says, chosen of God. We all remember that experience um, growing up, and some of you are still in that uh, period of time where they put you all against the fence, and they're going to pick up teams, and they're going to figure out, okay, who's going to be team A or team B or team one and team two, and you have two captains, and all of a sudden they're starting to pick. Remember that? And, and depending upon your skill in that particular sport or activity that's going on, you're just hoping you're not picked what? Last. And if there's an odd number, you're hoping you're not, not picked at all, right? Because the team's got to be even. And so if there's an odd number, you're just hoping that you're better than somebody. And you know what it says in terms of, of having a relationship with God is that it, it, was, it was started all by God himself. He chose you. Chosen by God. And, and just emphasizing that in a couple of different ways this morning. In first. Then Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says this, just as he chose us in him, when? Before the foundation of the world. Th this wasn't a last-minute choice, and sometimes we've had that experience. Oh, I got picked at the last moment. No, you didn't get picked at the last moment. You got picked at the very beginning. It's like we're all first choices. In the very beginning, God chose us. First Thessalonians uh, 1, 2 says, that Paul gave thanks to God always for all of them. He was writing to a church in Thessalonica, and he said this. This is the reason I thank God for you, knowing, brethren, be loved by God, his choice of you. Why he thanked God for them? Because he knew whose they were. They were, they were God's, and they were God's because he wanted them to be on his team, in his family, 
in his church. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, We always give thanks to God for you. Why? Because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation. And then as we think about why he chose us, in 2 Timothy 1, 9, it says that he chose us not because of good works, but according to his own purpose and grace. So he chose us not simply to be, again, a spectator. He chose us to be a participant because he had a purpose for us. And so that changes everything, doesn't it? As far as the now what? I begin every day with a purpose. And the reason I have a purpose is because I'm on God's team. I'm in God's family. So before, before Paul urges them to, to live out their faith, he says, I want you to know that you're in the faith. And it wasn't an accident. It wasn't because you were smarter than the person next to you or behind you or around you. It's because God chose you. And, and then just, just for free, he, he did add a couple words there. He, he says, I, I chose you. You're chosen by God. And then he said, holy and beloved. And, and so our lives are to be characterized by being chosen by him. Holy. Now, that's a religious word. We all, we all know it's kind of only used in settings like this. But it means I, I've set you apart. You're not simply to be of this world thinking about only the things that concern you, but I've set you apart for me. You know, it, it, it involves purity and lifestyle, but it really means, okay, you're, you're no longer to live for yourself, but for me, I've set you apart. You're special. And I dare say all of us, if, if we could remember every day when we, when we wake up that we're special in God's eyes, how different that would make how we live. And, and then if, if we somehow think that somehow, okay, this is all kind of clinical or you know, an arbitrary decision by God, he says, no, not only holy but beloved. If you were, to, if you were ever to wrestle, well, why would God want you? The simple answer is because God loves you. You're chosen by God, you're holy, you're set apart from me, and you're beloved. So every time you ought to leave a place like this, you ought to remember, among other things, that you are loved by God. Okay, that's just the introduction now, so don't get relaxed, are you? Okay, okay. That's what we ought to remember when we begin. Okay, we're chosen, we're holy and beloved. Well, now what? What's this so now what? And then Paul goes on, and really, in case you get a little nervous how fast I go through certain passages, I'm not going to go in depth in every single verse here. So we're going to spend most of our time here because it has so many life applications to begin with. Uh, so the so what then is, okay, how should you now live? We ought to live in such a way that you want to show people that you're chosen, that you're holy and loved by God, beloved. And how you do that is to choose to, to honor God, please God in every way. Now, whenever I go to the God's Word, I think, okay, okay, what does that really mean? How is that supposed to be lived out? And so Paul puts it this way, and he uses some illustrations for us to try to grab it. He says, so as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, still in verse 12. You got all those other verses to get to. Don't worry, I could spend that much time the rest of them. It says, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Now, I read that really fast for a purpose because I'm going to go back. He said, in light of all that God has done for you, I want you to do something. I want you to put on something. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, theologically, you put it this way, and I have it in the note. 
be like Christ who lives within you. But really, he, he gets more practical than that. He says, well, how do you do that? How do, you, how do you live like Christ? And that's what honors him. He said, well, put it on. Well, what do you mean, put it on? I, I, wanna, I want you to dress yourself, not physically, but spiritually. Now, there are many things we have in common today as we gather together. But what we have most in common is that all of us, well, most obvious we have in common, we all put on clothes before we came, right? I don't think anybody's streaking here this morning. I don't see anybody without any clothes on. Okay, so we all came dressed. But what he's saying, you know, the, the, the person who is dressed for success spiritually is not the physical clothes you put on. It's the spiritual clothes or more maybe Clearly, it's the inner qualities that you put on that God can produce in your life if you're living for him. So what does it look like when we live for Christ, which means to honor him or to please him in every way? We, we look like Christ. Well, what does it mean to look like Christ? We don't really. Most of the pictures, let me just be right up front. Most of the pictures you see of Jesus, you know, whether it be uh, in people's homes or even if you watch any programs on that, that's not how Jesus looked. I mean, he, he looks like one of the beautiful people in the world, right? Well, Jesus probably did not have that look. The Bible says that, that there was nothing about him that drew people's attention to him physically. And I think God did that on a purpose because we're so caught up on that which is on the outside and not on the inside. But, but he, he amazed people not by his physical presence, but the character of who he is. And that's what God wants for us. And he says, this is what I want you to put on. And um, it's really had the idea of, 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 just like God says, put on the full armor of God, put on the clothing that makes you look like Jesus. And he, he begins this way. He says, put on compassion. Put on a heart of compassion. Now, when we use the word heart, uh, if you... Uh, some words in our language are borrowed from other, other, langu- uh, other languages and cultures. You know, if I were to use the, word, use the word adios, all of us would know that means what? Goodbye. I mean, that's just part of who we are now. If I use something like you, you have a, a, a cardiac arrest, you have a problem with your what? Your heart. Well, this is not the word, and that comes from a Greek word. That's not the word used here. It's, it, the word here for a heart is spalankna which you don't need to remember that, other than it means this. It means all the other internal organs, the ones you don't like to talk about, you know, when you have problems on the inside, the intestines and the stomach and all those other bladders in there. He said, I want you to put that on. And why is that used, and this is from a Hebraic perspective as well as a little bit of a Greek culture, is that, okay, I I want you to do something from the gut. I want it to be something that really, this is who you are. And what I want that is really who you are, I want you to have that be a, a quality that comes out, to use this word, that describe that, that you are a compassionate person. Now, Jesus was, was often, in the miracles he, he would do, he said he was motivated because of compassion. But what does that mean? And, and what I like about this list is this is a list that's, that's available for all of us. This is, this is not based on natural talents, not based on certain gifts. You don't have to go through training on this. You can get training that might help you manifest or, or understand these qualities better. 
But it's saying, do you really want to be a person who, who's known by their compassion? And what does that mean? Among other things, it, it means this, it, that from the inside that you have a heart of mercy and sympathy, even pity or, or empathy, that you begin to go through life not trying to figure out why you're feeling how you're feeling, but figuring out why other people are feeling what they feel. Wouldn't that radically change how people saw us? As they saw us more concerned about how other people are feeling than how we are feeling. That's a pretty radical way to decide to live. That's how Jesus lived. He wasn't concerned about even where he laid, laid his head, but he was concerned about the needs of others. So let's put on compassion as a people. And then it goes on, kindness. Uh, in my life group, I said, you know, I'm, a, I'm trying to become a kinder and gentler guy, you know. Uh, what is kindness? It, it, it's that, that person who, who comes down to the point where he begins treating people. It, it actually comes from a word from which we get the word grace. And I, I love that as being part of our name as a church. And we sang about the wonderful grace of Jesus. But again, that sounds almost super spiritual, you know, be gracious. Well, what does that mean? It means to be kind. What does it mean to be kind? It means that you begin to people, treat people better than they deserve. Sometimes I, I think about qualities of life when I realize what's the opposite of that. When I'm not kind, I'm, I'm being harsh with people, right? And when I'm harsh with people, I'm usually harsh with people because I think that's exactly what they what? Deserve, Right? They need a piece of my mind. They need to understand what they just did. They, you know, and, and, and we become harsh with people. I don't mean we can ever be sarcastic or have fun with people, but I'm talking about treating people really that way. And God says, look at, put on not only a heart of sympathy and empathy, but put on a heart of kindness, which means that you begin to pe treat people not harshly, but with, with a sense that you want to give them what they don't desire. I mean, they don't deserve. And you have a heart of being helpful. And then he goes, says, not only put on compassion and kindness, but in the H word there is humility. Now, it's interesting about this word, humility, and I have to be careful. We're not going to get very far anyway. But the idea of humility, in that day, humility was almost, in fact, it wasn't almost. It was a, a, a term of, of um, uh, negativity. If you called someone humble, then you, you, were, you were putting them down because it, it was like, well, don't you think you're very important? Don't you think that you've got something to offer? And, and a person who was humble was, was a person who felt less about themselves. And it wasn't until the, the Christian faith came in that this element of humility became that which a person would pursue or desire. But often the reason people did not like humility because they misunderstood it. They, they thought humility was a lack of confidence. Well, that's not what humility is. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It simply means thinking less about yourself. You don't spend so much time thinking about how people evaluate you, but you're thinking about how you are evaluating them and are you giving other people the benefit of the doubt. You're not so preoccupied with self. There's so many great qualities here that really just speak about Jesus, doesn't it? You know, the, the fruit of the Spirit is, the, is that which the Spirit of God 
begins to produce in people's lives if, if we depend upon the Spirit. It's love and it's joy and it's peace and it's patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And that's really what Jesus is. I want to produce in you what is true about Jesus. And the more we understand that, the more we begin to say, wow, I'm so far from that. But that's what I want. Because I want to honor God in every way, every part of who I am, and not only what I do, but how I do it. Because you can do all these things. It's like speaking, you know, if, and I personally, let me just tell you right up front, I don't like that statistic that communication is only 7% verbal because I talk a lot, right? And I don't like it that they say it's only 7% verbal. But what it's saying behind what we do or what we say, it's kind of like whatever you do in word or indeed, you know, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, is that it's not only what you do and what you say, but how you do it and how you say it that matters. And that's what God wants from his people. And this is what's now next for all of us. I, I really don't have time to define everything else. It was fascinating for me to study this week, okay? Gentleness, it's, it, it's willing to suffer injury instead of inflicting injury. It's treating people with softness and sensitivity. That's a gentle person. I mean, you can be a bull in a china shop. I've been that many times in various places. Or you can be more sensitive in dealing with issues. Patient. Uh, the old King James actually translated this pretty well. It's long-suffering. You know, I, I'm a very patient person as long as it doesn't have to be very long, Right? I can put up a lot of things that's only for a short period of time. It's when it's a longer period of time. Forbearance, that's, that's the idea of enduring the irritation of others in your life. Same way, I, I, I can endure a lot if it's only for a short period of time. Now, forgiveness. Forgiveness is at the heart of a relationship with Christ, isn't it? I just read a statistic about, not statistic, but a, a quote from one of the politicians and who claims to be a Christian. And, and then he's made this statement, and I've never asked forgiveness ever in my life. Well, um, that's secondhand. I don't know if he said that, but if he said that, then he has no idea what it means to be a what? A Christian. Because not only do we need to ask that of God, but we need to ask that of each other, saying, I was wrong, and forgive me. And just in case we didn't get the other things, and say, well, I can't remember all that list, though you're supposed to remember that all this list this week. But it, it, I want you to understand, he says, okay, but above all else, put on love. And love, if we understand it in its depth, is not just the emotional response to, to people or to things. And fundamentally, that's not what it is. It has the idea of being self-sacrificing and seeking the best in any situation or person's life. But love will, will, will summarize all of that which God wants us to be. So what's my point on this one point of the three-point message here? Okay. Because of what God has done for us, he's chosen us, he's set us apart to be different, special, and he, he loves us. He wants us to honor him in every way. Put on the clothing of being a Christian. These attributes, these qualities. And how you put them on is, is you pursue them. Say, God, that's what I want to be. I don't want to be just how I've always been. I want to be like this. And what's the impact of that? When we live that way, people 
will notice and they will think that person lives what that person believes. And I want what they want. I want what they have. Now, in the section I'm not going to deal with, in the same section, he, he tells again kind of how, you, how do you live for Christ in every way. You, you pursue Christ. You pursue his peace and you pursue his transforming power in his life. In that section we're not going to read, he said, let, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the word of God transform your life. And that's, that's how we live out what we just read here. It's, it's an active pursuit. But we are to honor God in every way and then also in every place. And even in this section, I'm not going to read the entire passage. But what he does, he, he, after he says all these qualities that you're to, to put on, and um, just for Warren's sake, I'll, I'll say this also for free. Before he, he tells us what to put on in that passage that I'm reading here, or read part of it, before that he told us what to put off. And, if you, you know, if you're already dressed, if you're going to change your clothing, you usually got to take off what you're already wearing. And, and there is a place in our Christian life where we say, okay, there's some things in my life that dishonor God, and i got to get rid of those. God's love and his presence in our lives are not affected by how we live or don't live, but the effectiveness of our lives and the joy of our life are affected by holding on to things that weighed us down and not putting on the things that bring us into the presence of Christ and show it to others. But, but what he says, after we put on the qualities of Christ, he says, okay, now, 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 you, need to, now you need to go out and live that. And what he does in the passage I'm going to summarize, in Colossians 3, 18 through, um, was it 21? 22, actually. He describes the home. He says, wives, this is how you ought to treat your husbands. And husbands, this is how you ought to treat your wives. And kids, this is how you ought to respond to your parents. And there's a there's a... There's just a treasure right there in terms of practical teaching in those areas. But really, you know what he's saying here? He's saying, okay, now I want you to live this out in the places that are most difficult to live it out in. First of all, you need to live it out at home. We, we, we can all look very spiritual to people who don't know us, right? But people who know us well, they, they know whether it's just, just, just words, they, they could, they've heard the 7%, but they go, what about that? the 93% after that? Now, we're not going to live it perfectly, but he's saying, look, at, live it out at home. And he, and he, he says to everyone, it's not, it's not just for adults, it's not just for children, it's for both. And then, then after he goes to home, he says, now, now I want you to live it out in the, the marketplace. I want you to live it out at work. So, so, so take that and live it out in the home and then show up where you do life. And we can add to that. Not, not only work, and that's the master-slave analogy he makes there. You could say it boss or employer, employer, employee. Live it there. If you're in school, it's, you know, the teacher-student relationship or student upon student. You, you need to show your faith there. Do, do people know that you're a Christian where you work or where you go to school? Or in your neighborhood? Are, 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 is the fragrance of Christ being lived in such a way that, that you're making your faith public? By not only living for Christ, but speaking about Christ. So God wants us to live for him in every way. 
living those qualities of life that demonstrate that we've been with Jesus. He wants us to, to live it out in, in every place. And basically every place begins at the home, spreads to our neighborhoods, spreads to our workplace, this place where we go to school. When we are in contact with people, we're on the mission field. Going to Honduras, that's just changing the zip code. We're to live it everywhere. And then lastly, we are to honor God in, in every moment, which simply means that every time that we are doing what we do, we're to do it for the Lord. And, and that's, that's the, the verse for this month. Whatever you do, whatever you do. Do it, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. I dare say if we just knew that Jesus was watching us every time we are doing what we do in life, whether it be, again, in the marketplace, in our neighborhoods, or at home, we might do it a little bit differently if, if we were getting our marks from him rather than the people around us. We want to do it every moment of every day. Well, how does that, how does that play out in, in terms of how we can be a participant? Well, that, that's a lifestyle. But how can we identify some steps? Let me, let me have you turn out to the 2016-2017 vision. It's, a, it's got four letters on it or four words on it. Oikos, worship, life groups, and serving. This is our process of ministry at Grace Hills Church. And, and this, is a, this is something we can all connect to. My part in honoring Christ by helping more people become fully devoted followers of Christ, oikos. Who are the five to ten local family or friends I am praying come to know Christ, want to talk to them about Christ, and want to invite them to hear about Christ? If you're a follower of Christ, this is your mission field. Who specifically are you praying about that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ that you would like to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? And there might be some people we're concerned about that are, you know, outside of our zip code. And it's great to pray for them as well. But who here are you praying for? Your next door neighbor, you know, the person you play bridge with, the, the, the person you go to school with, if you're on an athletic team, the, the person that you're involved with at, at work, whatever it might be, identify them. They're not a project, but they're a, they're a passion for you to say, I'm praying for them that they'll come to know Christ. If you can't think of five to ten, then make that the prayer for you in 2006, 2017, that you would find people that you identify specifically. Even if you don't know them well, I'm praying for that neighbor. I do not know that I get to know them so that I can see them come to know Christ or I can do whatever I can for them to know Christ. I pray for them. I look for opportunities to talk to them, and I, then I want to be inviting them. That's how how God has, has spread the message of Christ everywhere as people talk to people. So in, in, in case you're not getting it, I, I want you to take this sheet home and I want you to put five to ten names here. And they might be the next door neighbor if you don't know them. It might be that person in that cubicle next to you. It might be that student uh, that is on, he's always alone in your classroom, whatever it might be. You're identifying people that you're praying for. And then you begin to look for opportunities to talk to them. And then you look for opportunities to invite them. Every one of us can do this. Secondly, worship. 
God has called us to be a people of worship. And, and this is more a check. Uh, how can we honor Christ more in worship? Number one, by being more faithful, enthusiastic with worship on Sundays, that we gather together and we're prepared to worship with enthusiasm. By regular generous giving, by being a better friend, neighbor, or co-worker in attitude and action. Thirdly, life group. By joining and fully participating in a small group to encourage and be encouraged. We were taking, uh, talking in one of my groups this past week, and we were talking, why is this important? It was an old analogy, but, you know, you could have this fireplace that's just, just producing all kinds of heat and the flames are jumping everywhere. And you could take the log that is burning the, the strongest and the brightest, but if you were to remove that log from the other logs, what would happen to that log? It would die out. And so we all need to, to be together. There might be some periods of time where it's hard for you to get in a, in a group, but but make it your passion. I want to join another group that I'm going to be praying regularly with and for. I'm going to be interacting in the word of God with them. I, I, want to, I, want, I not only want my, my light to shine brighter, but I want to be an agent. I can help them shine their light in a brighter way. And it takes commitment. And then fourthly, serving. By identifying and serving consistently in a specific ministry. You know, if we're to follow Jesus, then some of the simple things that Jesus did ought to be our passion. You know, Jesus said, and um, I believe it's Mark 10, 45, he said, I, I did not come to be served, but to what? To serve and give my life a ransom for many. So, so we need to know, okay, what am I doing specifically to serve Christ? And that's, that's a challenge for each one of us. What specifically am I going to do that? For some of you, you could even on your response card today, when we, when we receive the offering, you could identify, I want to help with children. I want to help with youth. I want to help in the adult ministry. I, I want to be a greeter. I want to, whatever it might be. We've got in the back there a whole list of things that people can do. Help with our facility. We're, we're saying, I'm, I'm going I'm to be part of doing something for Christ. Be involved in our prayer ministry. This is, this is what I'm committing myself to. And it all begins by, by saying, I can, I, that's what I, I know I should be doing because what God has done for me. And I, I'm going to do something for God this year, specifically, intentionally. And maybe you say, I, I need help in this. Just say, I need help finding a ministry. Just put that on your card. What's the so now what for us? God wants us to not be spectators but participants. We have a community that, as we saw in the video, that needs to be reached. And it's reached one life at a time. And each one of us have people in our lives that are unique to us that we can make an impact. The the church does not function by a few people doing what needs to be done. It's by everyone doing what they can do. And then God just unleashes the church. This is, this, is, this is the blessing of being part of God's family, to function as a part of what he wants his church to be and to do. Remembering what he's done for us and then honoring him in every way, in every place, and in every moment. Let's pray together. If I just really pray as... 
we looked at Paul's challenge of the church at Colossae, that he might see this as God's challenge for the church in Aliso Viejo, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to see this city as a city that needs to be blessed by God's people, individually and working together, just to show that Christ is alive and well and make a difference in people's lives. As we continue to express praise to you through worship and as we give unto you this day, we pray that you might take what we have and use it for your sake and for your glory. And if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, the first step for them is to, to do what that most familiar verse in all the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. My, they put their faith completely in the Lord Jesus who came to them. And now, Father, as we, as we give and praise you, might you be lifted up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys